Hey, Philo community. It's episode 13 of the Philo podcast. And it's hard to believe that summer is winding down. What happened? I mean, the ministry season just ended. How can we be starting it up again? And school's starting. Give me a break. Whew. All right. Anyway, uh, for those of you who are new to the Philo podcast, uh, our goal is to help technical artists in the local church to become more effective so that our churches can become more effective. Basically doing Philo conference every third week in an audio format that lasts about 40 minutes. Anyway, I wanted to make one quick note about our previous episode before we dig in. Uh, We had a great conversation with Matt and Aubrey Wentz about what it's like to be involved in ministry while still making time for family. And I would say if you're married or have a significant other, I would really encourage you to share the podcast with them. It is such a great reminder that there are other people out there that face similar challenges to you and your spouse. And yeah, it'll give you a starting point for a conversation about what matters to you and your family, a chance to set expectations, come up with values. I mean, it would be a great listen together. So I would encourage you to share it with them right now. No, I mean right now. So I'll wait. All right, enough waiting. You're back. Okay. When we look at the history of the Philo Conference, Community Christian Church has played a huge part in that history. Their Yellow Box campus hosted Philo Conference twice in some of our more formative years, and they've really become more of uh, than a facility for us. They're partners in helping make the church better. And you know how they say that church isn't a, just a building, it's the people? Well, that couldn't be more true than in this case. I mean, we love the facility at Yellow Box, but we love the people even more. And one of our favorite people over there is Jeff Boris. He really dove in and helped us make Philo Conference amazing in those years. And even though we outgrew the space, Jeff has still been a huge part of the Philo Brain Trust. And I love that we get to keep doing ministry together. So Jeff and I sat down soon after Philo 2017 in one of Jeff's rare moments when he wasn't leading worship with his band at some conference or taking his family on a trip to Israel or more recently to London or one of the many other awesome things that Jeff tends to get into. And we sat down and talked about this idea of developing people to pull off services every week while still holding up a standard of excellence at the same time. I think it's real easy to think that these two things are mutually exclusive, but Jeff has been a champion of figuring out how the two can coexist and really help make the church thrive. So let's get into it. Let's uh, maybe just to get started, maybe you could talk about what do you do here at sure. Yellow Box and then maybe even a little bit of your journey getting here. Yeah, sure. So I am the creative arts director here at the Yellow Box. I work on a team of a lot of other creatives from our 10, soon to be 11 locations, and I help oversee them. Mm-hmm. And I work with our central catalyst director, Eric Bramlett, who creates all of our content and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of my real job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, in addition to that, I also get to play. Um, so I'm an I'm an arts catalyst for the New Thing Network um, that community is a part of, and for um, exponential conferences. Right. Okay. I think that's about everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think yeah. that's enough. Right. <laughs> and interestingly enough, we've sort of talked a little bit in the last couple of years that we have met before, <laughs> and I don't remember, but. Yep. Uh, Back when I was in Michigan uh, working at Kensington, Jeff was starting a church yeah. uh, called the 242, 242 Community Church. Community yeah. church. And I remember that. I remember uh, Kensington being a part of mm-hmm. planting churches. That was their big thing. Yeah. And uh, that we, 
it, <laughs> we crossed paths a few times before. Yeah. It was uh, something the last that couple years. you were up on a big tower and I was like, oh, can I have a question? And you're like, no. <laughs> I will not speak to you. Exactly. I can't even, I'm so high up, I can't even see you. Yeah, whatever. Right. Yeah. No, but I mean, part of that part of that story was he didn't really do that. <laughs> um, but so I went to school at Cincinnati Bible College in Cincinnati for worship ministry because I loved God and I loved music. Eventually I'd stopped doing that and was on a touring with a band. And at the same time, starting a young adult ministry um, with a guy named Dave Dummett at Burlington Church of Christ in Burlington, Kentucky. Okay. Although for the record, I never lived in Kentucky. You lived across the river. I lived yeah. across the river in Cincinnati. <laughs> Eventually, God made it kind of clear that he had been preparing us to start something else, somewhere mm -hmm. else, which we didn't know where. And through a long and fascinating series of connections, we got connected with Dave and John Ferguson up here in Naperville, Illinois. They had just started the New Thing Network, uh, which is a network of, for a catalyst for movements of reproducing churches. Our mission state, that changed a couple of times. Sure, yeah, okay. So, so basically we contacted them, said, hey, maybe you can help us, you know, kind of achieve this vision that we feel like God's called us to. And they said, oh my gosh, absolutely, we'd love to. So 242 ended up being the third New Thing Church. Oh, wow. And now there's more than 1,300 wow. all over the world, which is wow. kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> fun is yeah, maybe not the word I would have used, but yeah, it's True. amazing. It's been, it's been intense. That's probably a better word. And so then I was there for about nine years uh, and then about pretty much five years ago was asked to come out here okay. to sort of help um, with the arts and propel it to kind sure. of another level. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. So the thing that I would love for us to talk about today is this idea that you've got all these campuses, you have all these needs creatively, you need lots of volunteers or people to mix audio, to play in the band, to do lights, to run PowerPoint, whatever the, I mean, there's, there are a lot of needs. It's not just one campus, it's multiple campuses. And I would have to say, from what I know, looking in from the outside, there's not a whole lot of staffing uh, to handle that much. Right. To say, you know, to say there's 11 camps, soon to be 11 campuses and there's a handful of staff people. Yeah. And maybe when you look at something maybe strictly production-wise, mm -hmm. eh, maybe there's, do you have one person here at this campus or maybe half a person? <laughs> yeah. So, so at the yellow box, we've got... We've got me, and so I kind of oversee the arts, but I've got a lot of central roles as well that right. serve kind of everybody. Right. We've got a full-time worship director, uh, worship pastor named Lucas, and we've got a part-time technical director um, named Steve, and Steve's fantastic. Uh -huh. In addition to that, we've got an, an, an LD who we are kind of stipending a little bit. That's a word. Yeah, it stipending. is. Stipending. <laughs> to come in and just sort of create scenes. Sure, okay. You know, he does a lot more than that. Sure, right. We're not able to pay him more than that Sure, yet. yeah. But yeah, it's very, it's very lean. So how, so one of the things that Dave Ferguson talked about at Philo this last year is this idea of excellence matters, developing people matter. It feels like they're at opposite ends of a spectrum <laughs> fighting against each other. It's versus, yeah. Yeah. Excellence, excellence versus development. And he would say, it's more of a riding a bike. You're pushing on each one, uh, alternating between them. And yep. that's what moves things forward. Uh, is that oh, yeah. how I it mean, works? There's an inherent, there's a, there's a tension that exists there, right? Because what you have is for the most part, you'll have, you know, the one or two people that just sort of get it 
instantaneously. Right, yeah. Or even better, if you're in a church, have done it previously. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, and so you don't even have to tell them anything. They just get it. Right. So the tendency, though, is to just just burn those people out. Right. Completely. Yep. And so that's that's something that we actually try to avoid. I mean, a lot of, the, a lot of what we talk about as a huge value is reproduction, right. which is just a creepy word for multiplication. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> basically. <laughs> um, <laughs> reproduction sounds more like a Genesis one kind of a thing. Exactly. Yeah, not, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it is kind of jarring enough that it makes you kind of sit up and go, well, what are we talking about? Right, right. You know? And so when we talk about reproduction in the arts, immediately there's that tension between how excellent can we make something, but how can we make sure that there are a lot of people involved? Right, right. Okay, and so it, al it always feels like the more people we get involved, you can just kind of feel the excellence bar begin to lower. Sure. Because it's just harder to teach and train and coach that many people. Right, yeah. The fewer people you have involved, you can just kind of invest in them or bump them up. Right, right. Well, I think when you have less people, you're and they're, they're getting more repetitions. Yeah. Everybody just gets excellent by the sheer fact that we're doing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and you've hit on another thing that we've wrestled with for a long time that we're continually wrestling with is, and it's more, I think it's more clear in performance art, like mm -hmm. your musicians and your dancers and your you know theater people, where a lot of times the only way to get better is by having multiple reps. Right, right. You know, like you get to a point where I've told you everything that I can possibly tell you or you've read everything that I you can possibly read. Now you just need to do it a lot. Right, right, yeah. Well, what sucks is the first 10 times you do it, it's not going to be great. Right. You know? It does suck. It does yeah, suck. Yeah. And that's part of the process. <laughs> right, That's yeah. not a bad thing. That's right. part of the process. And so some of the stuff that we've been very intentional about is making sure that we realize that's part of the process. Right, right. And so if a little bit of sucking is part of the process, how can we mitigate that? Right. So that it's not, it doesn't feel like one week we go from a seven to a four. Right. Right, because we do have a location where people are bringing their friends, you know. Right. Every, we have this phrase that we say for every service where we say, you know, this is their first time. Right. It might be our ninth service. Sure. But this is their first time. Right. You know, and so that's kind of this mantra where we go, okay, we we can't diminish the value of excellence, but we have to be intentional about creating processes that support excellence and bring people along. Right, right. You know? Yeah. That making sense. I was uh, having dinner with some friends a couple nights ago, and it was a very nice restaurant. I wasn't paying, fortunately. Uh <laughs> It was very slow. Like there weren't a lot of people there and you could see the kitchen. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a, I wouldn't say high-end restaurant, but it, was, it wasn't it was Chili's. It yeah. was a nice <laughs> restaurant. And so at a certain point, I look back into the kitchen and I see what I think is the head chef has his arm around someone <laughs> and they're talking about something that their backs are to me. And you could kind of see that he was explaining something and imparting some value. I mean, there yeah. was human touch that yep. it was some kind of nurturing. Yep. Well, later on in the evening, it will realize like, we haven't gotten our food. It's been a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody, like we <laughs> should have, it's not like there's a party of 12. This is just right. a table of people. And some people around, you know, were saying, wow, this has been a really long time. And I started thinking about this, the chef in the back has made a choice to, Hey, we're slow. Let's build into the guys at the bottom of the yep. sous chef or whatever to and so the excellence that the food was awesome, mm -hmm. but we've 
we feel like letting them wait an extra five or 10 minutes is worth yeah. what the long term is going to be. Yep. I just thought it was such a great picture. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've done, so one of the practical ways that we've kind of helped mitigate that a little bit is we realize there's inevitably going to be a drop, right? right? Like if, let's just say that your your excellence level on a scale of 10 is you want to consistently hit sevens. Sure, yeah. Okay. Um, I think there are a few churches that can consistently hit tens, right? So right, let's just yeah. say like we're going to shoot for sevens, right, right. which is fantastic because yep. I think most places are way below it. And so one of the things that we've done is we go, you know, it's going to be inevitable that you're going to have somebody that you've been investing in that you finally give them the reins. Right. It's not going to hit that. And you know that. Sure, right. Okay. So one of the things that we've been intentional about is we will do things where we will have like a new front of house engineer or somebody new on lights or we've even done this from stage. We've had a new worship leader apprentice. Okay. And we'll tell everybody. We go, hey, guys, we want all of you to know that we've got, you know, so-and-so is leading worship for the first time. They've been a part of our apprentice process for a while. And yeah. we're so excited that they get to do it for the yeah, first yeah. time on their own in front of you guys. What that does is beautiful. Oh, right. Because immediately it builds them up. Right. Right. As if to say, we value you. It told the entire congregation that we value reproduction. Right. And it lowered everybody's expectations. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. And so now everybody goes, I'm expecting it to be different. Right. Because I know it's their first or second time. I think too, not only does it uh, does something like that lower everyone's expectations, it it puts you, uh, the people in the seats, they're for you now. They're rooting. Yeah. They're absolutely. behind you. They're yep. they're trying to lift you up your yep. uh your level of excellence absolutely. just by yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Right. And 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 then the comments that happen afterwards, you know, we have this time after our services that we call the mandatory mingle where mm -hmm. we say, you know, hey, arts, go out in the lobby, right, say hi right. to people, don't just cloister in the green room. Right. Um, and watching that with somebody who's for the first time cool. is amazing. So everybody's yeah. like, good job, way to go. Yeah, yeah. We loved it. Thank you so much. You know, tell me about the process. I didn't know we had this, but sure, what is yeah. this? Can my daughter do it? Can my son do it? You know, it becomes this whole like snowball effect. Right. And they leave because inevitably they're going to be crazy nervous. Sure, yeah. You know, at any position, be it on stage or, you know, out in the in house. The booth or whatever, something. yeah. You know, so for them to feel that is just gorgeous. They go, yeah, like, yeah. okay, cool. I might have not thought it was my best or I've definitely felt the nerves, but the feedback I'm getting was really positive. Sure. So I'll do it again. You know, one thing that I love about that of alerting people to, hey, we've got somebody new, this is their first time, that it, 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 it's real Yeah. versus a 10 is, can be real, mm -hmm. but oftentimes is just, a, creates distance. Yeah. If everything's perfect, yeah. it becomes the, there's no human connection to it. Right. Versus, ah, hey everybody, it's gonna be a five. <laughs> Let's give it up. Yeah, it just it, it, yeah, it makes people seem more real. Yeah. Well, and and you know, like you're setting a culture, you know, and I think to some extent, like to some extent, culture is more important than whatever random excellence bar that you set. Right. You know, and so if people go in, and this is another thing that we do, like we'll oftentimes say like, you know, hey, just so you know, the vast majority of the people on these stage and backstage are all volunteers, they're doctors, they're teachers, they're right. servers or whatever. And that just kind of lets everybody know, hey, we're all on this team trying to worship God the best that we can. Right. You know, and it's just this beautiful sort of cultural thing that we that it makes it easy to grow in that without the oppressive feeling of like excellence at all costs. Right, right. You know. And is it something that is 
I think I probably know the answer to this, but something that's led from the front, from the top of the organization, that this is part of the culture versus saying, let's just say I'm a, I'm leading a tech team mm -hmm. and I want this for my space. Can I just like make it happen? Or is it, do you feel like it's something that wouldn't be happening if it wasn't really driven from the top? Yeah, it's very driven from the top. Mm -hmm. And then I think we have to constantly remind people. Right. Right. Yeah. So like there's this, as, you know, it's inevitable that as you get better, you're going to get bigger. Right, right. You know, just people will recognize that they want to be part of a winning team. Right, they right, want to yeah. do that kind of stuff. The tendency then is that as you get bigger to force getting better, right? To go sure. like, oh, wow, now we, we have, have X amount of people in better, there. We've yeah. got to get better, 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 better. Yeah. And so like part of my role as we've gotten bigger is to then go back to the people that, cast the vision of reproduction right. yeah. <laughs> and say, hey, let's not forget that if we lose this piece, we lose our soul. Right, right. Right. And so rather than talking about consistently hitting a seven, let's do five and a half to seven. Yeah. Let's do six to seven. Right. So then when we're coaching around us or when we're talking to our volunteers or our volunteer coaches, and we can get into that structure if you want to know, because I think that's part of this yeah, process. Yeah, right, yeah. As we're having those conversations, they kind of know okay, this is when we feel comfortable releasing someone to, to do it on their own. Right, right. You know, but it is that sort of reminder of this is what we value, this is what we stand for, and we can't let the drive to perfection squash that. Sure. Or what will, or what will happen is we end up dumping so many resources into producing a product that sometimes it can, like it can squash what kind of the Jesus mission is for sure, the individual right? organization. Well, and I think some of, the, some of the more beautiful moments in my own life in the local church, if I were honest, came from the place where, okay, we don't have any resources, but we have us. So mm -hmm. how are we going to do this? Yeah. And so, yeah, just beautiful moments for myself, let alone the other people around me to say, you know, so my mom was a part of starting a church mm -hmm. when I was in middle school. And so I was along for the ride and yeah, we had no pastor, we had no <laughs> church secretary, we had no, yeah. this is all volunteers, we're meeting in people's homes and then in a middle school band room. Yep. And we're making it happen. And yeah, there's something beautiful about leveraging the, I mean, that's what God intended for the body of Christ to, for all, we all have something unique to bring to the table. Yeah. And to just say, you have to be a professional right. to participate. Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate. And well, and I feel too, I mean, I, I think that the way that most artists who don't yet have, the easiest way for most artists who don't yet have a relationship with Christ to find a relationship with Christ is gonna be through their art. Right. And it would be, I don't want to be a part of the narrative that will say to a bunch of artists that are beginning to show interest in God right. that they cannot use their God-given talents and their God-given passions because they're not at some random bar yet. Sure, right. Like, I don't want to be a part of that story. Sure. You know, I would rather be a part of the story that says, yeah, why don't you join the team? Here's what excellence looks like here. You're just below it hang out with people, let's invest in you, let's coach you, let's grow you up. Right. While you're rubbing shoulders with all these people that believe in God. Buy into it, yeah. Buy into it. 
you know, and then have that story be like they they got involved, they began to know Christ, right, right, and hopefully, you know, the way we do things, and hopefully, then they become the arts director, worship pastor at our next location. Sure, yeah, you know? right. So, yeah. So now I'd be curious. Then, practically speaking, mm-hmm. how do you manage all this? I mean, like you were saying, soon to be eleven campuses. Yeah. I would imagine just thinking about one campus. Mm-hmm. You've got this room. You got that room. You've got all these rooms that need production and artists and all yeah. this stuff. How do you, you can't develop everyone. Right, no. So how does, how do people get developed? How does, sure. how are they, who's walking with them? Sure. So we are, we have implemented um, sort of a section leader uh, process, mm-hmm. okay? And so what we've done is um, we have found in every sort of discipline, so in sound, in lights, in guitar, in bass, in whatever, we've found somebody that number one, like totally buys into the vision DNA of the church. Yeah. They're a rock solid, you know, Christ follower, or at least they're showing massive amounts of spiritual trajectory. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they probably don't need to check all the boxes, but they're there. Sure. You know, and who is good in their discipline. Right. Now, the tension here though, is they don't have to be the best on the team. Sure. The tendency is to go, oh, they're the best, whatever, right. make them the sexual No, because the the last thing that we're looking for, which is the most important thing, is they have to be a coach. Right. They have to view the people on their team as their team. Right. Okay. So what we found is once we do that, then we charge them with certain things. So we say, hey, as a section leader, be intentional about knowing where everybody is on right. their journey, mm-hmm. both spiritually and in their expertise. Yeah, craft, yeah. Right, and so we have these series of documents that we made up that we affectionately call the proficiency sheets mm-hmm. that are literally like, hey, for you to have a good experience on our team and for us to have a good experience with you, here's the things that we value. Right. What's interesting is that I think every worship pastor, or every technical director already knows that but it lives in their head. Sure, right, right. So one of the first disciplines that I did personally was I was like, I gotta get all these things out of my head. What does it look like for you to be successful on my team? In order for me to trust you, sure. in order for us to trust you, what are some things I think you need to know? Right. And I just wrote them down. Yeah. As soon as you write them down, it's really easy to give them to someone else and say, make sure the people on the team have these things. Right, right. You know, and so it's kind of getting rid of this tribal elder knowledge and just giving that knowledge (laughs) to the tribe. To everyone, right, yeah. Um, and so every one of our areas has that. And uh-huh. so we say, you know, it's really intentional. Have one-on-one meetings with everybody. Right. If we were just an area of expertise, then we could give you a book and let you do the thing, but we're a church organization. Sure. We want to make sure that you're healthy. Right. In every area of your life. Well, and so much about <laughs> serving is relationship yeah. driven. Okay. Yeah. At first it's about whatever mm-hmm. your thing is, your guitar playing, your mixing audio. But at the end, once you're past that, which is pretty quick, it's all about Oh, yeah. Who am I going to get to do this with? Right. It's that. It's it's like, what's your heart posture? You know, why right. are you on stage or why are you backstage? Like, right. It's these questions of like, you know, because we're not just solely performance driven. Yeah. There's a lot of character stuff that goes into this, especially right. as your church gets bigger. Right. You know, especially as your organization gets bigger. And so character development and heart posture stuff is to, to us anyway, just as important as that. Right. The reason that I think that's really neat is then when you have somebody that comes into the team, they immediately go, oh, this is not just solely about excellence. Right. The, there's some 
There's more here. There's yeah. more here. Yeah. And then that creates a sense of family. That creates a sense of like, oh no, I want to be excellent because these people love me and I love them. And they're asking about my family and about, right. you know, what's going on in my life. And so, yeah, I'll, I'll be excellent. Plus it gives you a little bit of relational collateral to go in and say, hey, that's not excellent. Sure. Right. If they know that you're loved, if they know that they are loved. Right. Right. It's way easier to go like, hey, right. this is above. I think too, to, to front load any sort of involvement with a document that says, this is what we expect from you. This is what you can expect from us. It makes those conversations later so much easier yeah. to say, hey, remember that thing that we talked yes. about when you first signed up, mm -hmm. that still matters and I need right. you to, uh, versus not having it all in your head mm -hmm. and then six months down the road, right. having to have a tough conversation about excellence that has no context. Yes, yeah, I didn't even know this was important. Right, right. I didn't yeah. know I needed to know all my major and minor scales, or I right. didn't know that <laughs> yeah. side chaining was that important to you. Like, right. <laughs> what? <know. laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that that's kind of the the process that we live, in. and that's across the board. Right. You know, that's it. That's in all. That's technical arts, performance arts, How, theatrical arts. I, that feels like um, a great idea, but it also feels excruciating to me in a way <laughs> to sit down and really think. Okay, what actually matters to me? I mean. Was that an easy process for you or was it, did you get some other people involved or? Well, it was a combo. Mm -hmm. So like I, I, I think personally it wasn't that difficult to me because I have a strategic bend at okay. times, mm -hmm. but with other people that I've been a part of this process with them, it was excruciating. Yeah. And so some of that coaching was, you know who might know? It's your senior pastor, your executive pastor. Right. You know, there's always that person that's not on the team that's going, hey, why was it so dark? Right. Hey, why were the, it was a little too loud this weekend. Yeah. It was, a, get that person involved. Yeah. What does yeah. excellence looks like for you? Right. Because you are carrying the, the weight of excellence for the organization. Right. Right. Because like what happens in the, in the, in the big room on the weekend touches everybody. Right. If you attend the church, you're going to be in the big room on the weekend. Right. And so it feels, it can feel kind of silo-y in that you're like, I'm just down here trudging away, making art right. stuff happen. Right. But in reality, there are other people that you should be able to trust Right. That you could allow to give some input into like helping you figure out what excellence looks like. Sure. And I think uh, now that you're saying that, I would agree there's part of who I am, who God made me to be. I carry, I, I'm the one who cares about excellence. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to, <laughs> that's whether I'm a volunteer or a staff person, that's my job. That's who God made me to be is to care about that mm -hmm. and to hold it up and push for it. But at the end of the day, the past, the senior pastor has a better understanding of mm -hmm. where excellence needs to be in that room. Right. And it's not ultimately my responsibility and it's his responsibility. Right. Or it's not mine to carry necessarily. Right. And so to to have that conversation is probably the first step oh, to yeah. say what actually matters and then let's build into that versus right. thinking that everything has to be perfect or mm -hmm. I, I just, from a technical standpoint, yeah. it's I know so many people that would create a list of things that matter that actually don't. Right. Like our our list is like seven long. Like mm -hmm. it's pretty chill. Yeah. It's not huge. You know, and I think part of what happens with that conversation is I just thought about this, which is a beautiful sort of side note to that, is once you allow those voices in, then it becomes really easy to teach. Like I think a lot of <laughs> 
a lot of technical directors, at least the ones that I've encountered, mm -hmm. they're just bad teachers. Right, yeah, yeah. Okay, and they can maybe teach the technical stuff to the people that want to learn the technical stuff. Right, but right. when you have to cross boundaries and teach technical stuff to non-technicians, right. that gets really hard because the reality is somebody's going to walk into a radio show. Do those, do radio shacks exist anymore? I don't think so. Don't think but so. let's pretend they do. But let's pretend they do. Yeah. <laughs> but somebody can walk into a, a radio shack and see a microphone for $19. Right. And then they see a PO come in for a microphone that's $600 and they right. go, help me understand that. Sure, right. The gut level reaction that I've experienced from a lot of TDs is they don't understand anything. They sure. don't understand what I do and how hard it is. Well, right. They don't uh, trust me. They don't trust me. Right. Well, of course they don't because you haven't taught them right. the difference in a way that they could understand. Sure. Right. If you go into, this is 20 kilohertz to 20 hertz and you can <laughs> the entire, they're like, I don't, I don't even know care. what that means. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But if you are sitting down with somebody and they go, it's really hard to hear the vocals a lot of times. Right. Right. You go, oh, well, these microphones help with vocal clarity. Right. So can we eventually come up with a plan to purchase these types of microphones? Right, right. And they go, oh, that makes sense because now I'm tying what, I, what a non-technical person thinks of as excellence with the technical knowledge that you have, which is the reason you were hired. Right, right. And you begin to bridge that gap and now financial discussions become a lot easier. Right. Or you sit down and go, or they come back to you and they say, you know what, we just flat out don't have money. Right. And you go, okay, what other things can we do? Do I need to have a training with my team on how to EQ? Do I need right, to have right. a training on, on basic mixing? Right, right. Where vocals just sit in the mix and whatever. Yeah. You know, but it helps because now, now you're explaining like, no, we don't have the gear that you want to hear. Right. Oh, well, what does it cost? X amount, it'll take us couple of months to make that happen. Sure. Yeah. And you and over time you begin to develop trust. You know, that's probably a whole other podcast that I could do yeah, with, with <laughs> yes, Doug. My, right. I got a there's a guy named Doug here that we've worked really hard at this relationship, both uh -huh. of us. And we're at a beautiful spot. Yeah. Where it's just like, is that what we need to accomplish that vision? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay, we'll figure it out. Right. Yeah, that would be a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. But that's that was a five year process. Right. You know. But it was it was a lot of intentionality on his part and my part to go, okay. Let's not have this be a tenuous relationship like it is in the vast majority of churches. Right, Let's right. figure out, you know, where the trust needs to be. And it was a lot of learning for me to go, how can I effectively communicate right. technical things to somebody that isn't technical? Sure. And so connecting communication and trust to this idea of developing people, when things dip below a five and a half mm -hmm. or whatever the, the, the bottom end of the range yeah. is, how hard are those conversations to have, not with the people mm -hmm. that are volunteering, but with your pastor or when somebody calls you and say, hey man, what, what's <laughs> going on here? Yeah, I mean, do those get easier or are they? They get a lot easier. Uh -huh. um, they got a lot easier because everybody notices them now. Sure. Right, because <laughs> yeah. you've, you've had the conversation of what excellence looks like across the board with everybody. Right. They've all felt like they've had feedback. So un unless, you know, you're just totally not paying attention. Right. You know, it, they become way easier. We had a, I was out of town this past Sunday. I got an email um, from Doug actually uh -huh. saying, hey, lights looked a little bit dim this week and one of the vocalists wasn't lit. Yeah. I took a picture. I looked at it. I had, you know, I could have done the typical like, you don't know how hard it was. I wasn't even there. Blah, right. blah, blah. But it was like, okay, no, I, I know that we're on the same boat when it comes to excellence. Right. And he noticed something that I didn't. Yeah. And that's totally fine. Yeah. I think I can just projecting my my own self here. When I was younger, I would get so defensive about little things like that. 
and I, yeah, the, to, to feel like you're on the same page and know mm -hmm. that somebody above you trusts and is sending you that, not as a, don't ever let this happen again, but as a, yeah, yeah, that feels like the, the magic sauce totally. for this to, yeah, yeah, go really well. And it's been some good conversations too. I mean, there've been some conversations I had both here and both at 242, my other church that was, you know, hey, let me be the one that communicates with the team. Right. You know, unless it's some sort of horrible disaster where we're blasting haze in the woman's face or something. Sure, like, yeah, Which yeah, has yeah. never happened, but that's a funny scenario. <laughs> yeah. You know, like if it can wait, if it can come to me yeah. and then I could be the one or if it could come to the tech director and then have the TD be the one. Right. That's so much safer for our volunteers. Right, right. You know, because we work hard at developing this kind of process. Right. And to have just people that they might not even know. right begin peppering them with things right who obviously have the air of authority about them. sure right you know like that's terrifying because right. now they've gone from like that's they've gone from the td is my point of reference right there you know for for what's good and what's not to now i've got 15 other people because it's right. it's inevitable that some random congregant is going to know, and we coach and we train that we train sure. how to respond to that and blah 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 right. but when but when it's staff people, it's got a different weight. Right, right. And they begin to go, who am I taking cues from? Right. And that's scary. Yeah. Y you know. I mean, that is a great point. Maybe even the the idea that all of us deal with people who are complaining about something. Mm -hmm. Generally, people aren't saying how awesome things right. are. And so the I just remember I had, a, oh, this over the years, just different people that couldn't handle, had a hard time with the comments. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you could have the best mix the best lights, the best whatever, and someone's going to complain. You yeah. So that's not, we need to stop figuring out how to stop that from happening because yeah. it's just going to happen. The reality is how do we handle those? Mm -hmm. And maybe more important, who really matters? Who, right. I mean, everyone matters, everybody right. gets a trophy, whatever, we, right. but whose opinion matters most? Right. And so at the end of the day, the senior pastor's opinion matters the most, mm -hmm. but to hear it from that person's probably not a great idea. Right. But to say, listen to me, I'm the person, if yeah. you're their leader, I'm the point person. Yeah. Doesn't all that other stuff, yeah. doesn't matter. We're in this development relationship, listen to me. Yeah. And if I tell you it's too loud, then it's probably too, then it is not probably, it is too loud. <laughs> right. Um, and if Joe Schmo thinks it's too loud, they can that sit they're welcome else. to their opinion. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. They can sit in a different seat further. In the yeah, back. which feels like, to your point, a great a key component to this whole developing right. people relationship right. is trust and safety. Yeah. And I'm free to fail right. in a safe environment. Right. Okay, let's get better. But yeah. I know that if I mess up, that someone's got my back. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think it's it's it becomes beautifully practical because like most of the people out here don't know how to communicate well when it comes right. to technical stuff. Yeah. Right. Like, okay, I've got a, I've got a story. It's a little bit old, but anyway, so the first church that I was like the, a TD in uh -huh. was this big church in Kentucky <laughs> and, <laughs> and they had a big organ and they had a contemporary service and a, tr and a traditional service. Right. Okay? And they were in the middle of that very, I mean, to their credit, they were doing it and they achieved it. But like that transition from contemporary in 
or from traditional okay, indicative. Right. Yeah. That's hard. Oh yeah, that is hard, and you're just gonna like litter bodies in the in the aftermath. <laughs> yeah. And they were they were tackling it, and it was tough. Yeah. And so part of what would happen was I would be mixing, and like the contemporary service was like, it's way too loud. I hate this. It's way, way, way too loud. Yeah. Now, the room was not built for what we were sure, doing. Yeah, you know, yeah. We were trying our best. It was even like electronic drums and stuff. Boom. So finally I got sick and tired of it. I'm like, I'm going to meter this. Okay. So I metered the contemporary service right. and it was like 83 oh. dB. Okay. <laughs> like whisper quiet. Sure. Okay? Yeah. And I, I metered the choir with the organ. It was like 101. Awesome. You know, and I took that into a meeting once and I said, can you guys please stop? It's not that it's too loud, is that you just don't like the style. Yeah, right. And it was the first time that I realized like, okay, oftentimes what comes off is like it's too loud is just maybe it's a weak mix. Maybe it's a poor mix. Sure, right. Maybe it's top heavy. Yeah, and, it's harsh or And it's whatever. shrill and yeah, people yeah. go, it's too loud. Yeah. Or they can feel the subwoofers maybe for the first time. Right. Or they're not used to it in church and they go, oh, it's too loud. Yeah. No, it's not. So some of what I love about having that buffer of the TD is being able to clearly communicate. Like they're saying it's too loud. I'm listening to it, the critical ear going, mm, no, actually what they're hearing is it's harsh. Right. Or they're saying it's too bright. Actually what they experienced was that light was pegging them right in the face. So sure, right. 15 degrees up and we're right. golden. Yeah, yeah. You know, anyway, that's a little bit of a side sure. But that helps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting I think as an artist, as a musician, as somebody on stage, we all want to do the very best. Yeah. And we all want to be a part of something that is the very best. I mean, I, I can tell you the best teams I've ever been on. And they were hard, And mm -hmm. but yeah, I, that's I want to be there. I yeah. want to be on that team. And that doesn't come easily. And it it's a lot of work. And it also requires some level of we're letting go of perfection yeah. for the sake of all of us together getting better and yeah. doing great things together. Yeah, I just think from the outside looking in what you're doing here, what the yellow box is about or just community Christian in general mm -hmm. is so beautiful. Yeah. And I wish that more of us could be doing <laughs> it. Yeah, because it's so much long-term, so much more yeah. sustainable, so much more leveraging the yeah. more of the kingdom of God. I mean, for instance, like our tech director here, this is like this is like my one of my favorite examples. But like RTD here, we're a room of like twelve hundred, you know, great sound. Um, you know, I mean, like it's a legit space. Right. He grew up at community. He started like volunteering in junior high, mm -hmm. high school. We launched another location, and he had some technical chops, and so we commissioned him, sent him to that, you know, other location. For a few years, we started doing some outside events here, and I just needed somebody else. So I asked Steve to start coming back mm -hmm. and do some of these outside events. And then when we were finally ready to hire a TD, it was a no-brainer. Right. This kid didn't go to school for it. Right. He just put in the hard work and was coached and was brought up and was. And this is by people before I got here. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. So we want to talk about just like a beautiful system. Sure. Right. You know, um, he was given opportunities. He was given actual real responsibility. He rose to the occasion, and when we were when we were ready to hire someone, it was a no-brainer that we would hire Steve. Yeah, we knew him, we trusted him, we knew what he was good at, we knew what he wasn't good at, we knew, you know, that he knew us. We knew he right. knows the DNA. I've never needed to have a, a conversation about valuing reproduction with him because he grew up in it. Right. 
you know, we've got story after story, not only for technical people, but for also like worship leaders and other staff and stuff like that. So when it, in, when it kind of infects your culture, it's this really beautiful way of getting the best of the best that you know, right. rather than that awkward feeling of like, we're going to hire someone from outside and hopefully right. we, they get it. Or we need somebody and we don't know anyone. Right. Yeah. Versus we've been developing people as mm-hmm. part of what we do. And you say that person, that person, that yep. they're, they become more apparent. Yeah. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Thank you so much yeah. for making time. We right should like talk all day. Yeah, totally. <laughs> all right. Thanks, See ya. Yep. Yeah, bye. Man, I love Jeff. We should totally hang out more. (laughs) Not just every once in a while with a couple microphones. Anyway, one of my favorite parts in this particular episode is that idea of a little sucking as part of the process. I mean, so many of us feel like perfect is the only option, but really to set expectations that to develop people, the bar will be lowered, but it's on our way to something better long-term. That it's not, this, we're not sitting in this, but we're developing people towards something. And as a result, things will not be perfect. I love that. I also love when he talked about telling the congregation that someone is up for the first time, a worship leader or a front of house engineer. Man, what a great way to make it feel like a family. It totally changes the dynamic of the relationship between the people making the service happen and the people in the seats. I mean, suddenly people are less critical and they're in the corner of the person that's up for the first time. They're for that person. Uh, And I think it also speaks so highly of this idea of we're in the business of developing people. If you just tell people, hey, we're developing these folks. Anyway, love it. You know what? If you want to hear more wisdom from Jeff, he taught on the same subject at Philo 2018 in a breakout entitled Working Yourself Out of a Job. You can download a copy by visiting our website, www.firstinlastout.us. Head to the resources page and go to the breakouts for 2018 and you'll find it there. Also, if you want to check out the musical projects that Jeff is involved in, you can go to the iTunes store and search for Community Music to hear some of the amazingness their worship team has been producing. Also, if you like this podcast and you're learning from it, While you're on iTunes looking up the community worship team, why not give us a positive review while you're there? Uh, We'd also love to get better. So email us your feedback and any ideas for future podcast topics to philopodcasts at fusion.productions. We've got some fun stuff planned for our next episode. So make sure you subscribe to the Philo Podcast so that you can get the update to listen to our super special conversation the minute it comes out. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. All right, that's it for now. See ya.